All right, let's get her going here. It's a Monday morning. Hope you had a nice weekend. 7-Eleven with uh, JR, Simmer, and Hammer. We got a full show extravaganza ahead, including a visit with Dave Poulin. Hopefully recovered from his all-day extravaganza on the TSN Trade Center desk on uh, Friday. Probably needed the weekend to get his voice back. Uh, Dave Poulin joins us in one hour from now. Jamie Baker, our Sens analyst, will be by coming up uh, after 9 o'clock on this Sens game day Monday. It's the yeah. Sens and the Hawks tonight. Uh, 9 o'clock is the face-off time, 9 Eastern. So a 7 o'clock pregame show as the Sens kick off their five-game road trip. And kind of a cool stat with Jamie, and it can confirm, uh, I think when he went into the Nepean Sports Hall of Fame, I thought he went in with Jeff Chickard and Jeff Brown, and I think all three of them being 66 birth dates and growing up in Nepean, I think all played minor hockey together. So I think we'll have some pretty good intel mm-hmm. on uh, Jamie Baker along with the Chickern family. Absolutely. Uh, Big Rick texts in uh, last hour. We're talking about uh, the latest snowstorm. Uh, and some of us are like, okay, Mother Nature, call off the dogs. We're at over 300 centimeters now. Um, which is one of the um, biggest winters we've had in terms of overall snowfall. And we still got all of March, which we usually get a little bit of snow as well. Big Rick writes, fellas, after 15 years, the old snowblower decided that the transmission had had enough. I ended up shoveling the snowblower into piles of snow. Hernie appreciated it. Uh, hey, winter jokes over. Buzz yeah. off. That's from Big Rick. Yeah, moment of silence. That's 15 good years out oh. of that bad boy. Uh, I wonder how many inches it took down. So that's pretty solid there. 15 years you get her, but yeah, it is too much. Now, I, I also kind of wonder, climate-wise, JR, seems a little bit of a contradiction in that we can't make ice on a canal, mm. but for some reason we have had over 300 centimeters of snow. I'm, it's a bit of a mixed message from the... Uh, from the side, well, from uh, the... snow is bad for ice, though, because snow insulates the ice. Uh, snow, snow insulates, so it actually keeps it warm. Yeah, but so I just think the, I, that's the bad I, side. I, I just think is overall, and and first of all, they're clearing that bad boy, and you're putting water down everything else. I just think I don't know uh, that to me. Uh, I wouldn't have. I guess my point being, and I know very little about science. Uh, the year that you didn't have any canal, I wouldn't have expected to be the year that you had 300 uh, millimeters or centimeters of snow. That's mm-hmm. all. Okay. Uh, unsigned writes, JR, why keep your brilliant trademarks to just hockey? Maybe add the deep thinking to weather reports as well. It's not sunny until the sun comes out. It hasn't stopped snowing until it stops snowing. That's from Uns. You know what? I will wow. put both of those yeah, yeah. under consideration. Yeah. Uh, I, wanna, I don't know that I want to move my well thought out <laughs> trademark phraseology to the weather. I think it's just, it's been good for, um, you know, for hockey for the most part. So far, but I'll uh, put that under consideration, yeah. counselor. Thank yeah, the well, the one you had last week was a bit rough, so I don't know if the fellas uh, <laughs> maybe asking you to stop. I, I don't know if there's a message in there, but hey, you know, you, what, just, you what, keep being you. <laughs> what was the one I had last week again? Oh, I can't even remember, but it was. You've had you to, haven't done. Well, I know my classic is you haven't done it until you've done it. No, there was yeah. some, there was that other one about the at, the addition. By additional, oh, is, oh is yeah, by additional. Jake Chickren is an additional addition by subtraction. No, that was that was deep. Uh, uh, there's probably people that spent the entire weekend pondering it and going, ah. By the end of the weekend, yeah. it's like you had an epiphany. It's like this thing went off in your head. You go, now I get what he's saying. Jake Chickren is an additional addition. So it's not just Jake Chickren. The point is, it's Jake Chickren's effect on 
Thomas Shabbat not having play as much, therefore Thomas Shabbat being better as well. Yeah. It's an additional addition by subtraction. And, and hopefully his dad's not listening in Moscow right now. Um, but it is Jay Chikrin's dad? No, he's uh, in Florida. It, it is a bit of a contrast between Mr. Zaitsev, who we will see tonight, yes. and Mr. Chikrin. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Nikita Big Zaitsev Z. reunion night tonight. Yeah. And Mr. Dabrinkit's first game. Now he's lucky to go into Chicago. I don't know if there's anybody left from when he played there, um, but... That that contrast of watching a big space eating defenseman like Chickering and all the poise he plays with is a little different than the, the mini Z brought to the uh, Ottawa Senators for a number of years. Uh, it is the Sens and the Hawks uh, tonight. A very anonymous Chicago crew that uh, well they're one point ahead of Columbus uh, in the Bedard Bowl race so far. Although well you'll see Chicago tonight. I'm I guessing. Well you saw we saw the Hawks a couple of weeks ago and they that was actually the last. I don't want to call it even an overall a dud game. It was a yeah, dud third yeah. period, and uh, the Sens ended up, uh, man, if they end up missing the playoffs by one <laughs> point, can you imagine yeah. looking back on that Chicago game? Anyway, they lost Chicago a couple of weeks ago at home on, uh, that was uh, Chris yeah. Neal's jersey retirement night. Uh, I think you'll see a more focused uh, team tonight, but we'll have a you'll, we'll all, all have an opportunity um, based on what we see from the Hawks tonight uh, and what we saw from Columbus mm-hmm. on Saturday at who's going to win this crawl toward the best lottery odds for Connor Bedard. Well, and as I said, with Line A and Goudreau in the lineup, when you look at Chicago now, leading scorer Seth Jones has 29 points. That's a defenseman. Uh, and then, yeah, it is incredibly anonymous as you go through. And obviously, last time they played, they had Mr. Kane in the lineup, and tonight they will not. All right, so it's the Sens and the Hawks tonight. Sens coming off a 5-2 win over Columbus on uh, Saturday night. We'll get to Jake Chikrin's uh, big night, but uh, this guy also had a big night. It's cleared all the way back down ice. Icing waved off as in behind the play was Goudreau waiting for a long bomb pass. Now he gives it away, and it's a three-on-one. Kachuk slides it in. Stutzla cuts in. Scores! Stutzla retakes the lead. Tim Stutzla with the goal right there, all starting with a uh, turnover forced by Jake Chikrin, who passed it up to Kachuk for a two-on-one, who laid a nice little saucer, and, and still at that, and I mean, it was nicely done. Mm-hmm. Stutzla had, like, z- zero room to do anything. Now, I think the goalie probably could have played it a little bit better, but listen, you can only play who you can play against, and uh, he put it up <laughs> in the top corner. Uh, and uh, and got I I didn't think when the when the pass came over and it was way up in the air I'm like yeah. there's no chance he's going to have enough room to do anything, no, no. and that's a special player that that yeah. did something with it right well, there. Well, and both times he had in tight. Now he's at a point, Jr. Where last year uh, you see the 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 puck and the stick way out in front of him. Everything's tight. Everything's confident. He's in another zone. As far as the play itself, uh, a lot of sweet sauce there. First of all, Chickren's backhand to Kachuk was beautiful. Uh, over the stick, and and I don't know if Kachuk was just playing games, but he he, he sent that thing about ten feet in the air. Uh, you know, he really was. It like, seemed unnecessary. It, it really did. And then, as you said, Stutzla takes it, and, and I have an appreciation back to when Carlson did that to Hoffman. Is I know the passes are great, but how these guys corral these pucks, Jr. and able to do it. But uh, that's the zone that Stutzla's in right now. And he did the same thing on the other breakaway. You just you know the goaltenders now. You're just hoping and guessing. And and Mer- Merzlikens, who obviously is really struggling. On that goal there, he he just kind of collapsed here. Like, it wasn't much of a move by Stutzlin. All of a sudden, for a fairly big guy, uh, yeah, he gave up a whole lot of uh, his right side of the net. The the breakaway goal that Stutzlin scored uh, later in the game, um, as as he went in, I, I, I think we talked about this last week. It just feels like 
he's going to s- score every time he does. Like oh, when, yeah. when Connor Brown would get a million breakaways yeah, a game. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And you and I, again, still waiting for our, our, our residuals from Connor Brown for the extra mm-hmm. million a year we made him on his contract. <laughs> um, but it always felt like he was never going to score a goal. Oh, and sure. it feels like every time Stutzla comes in on a good chance now, he's going to score. Like it just... And you can you can just and after he scored that the the second goal the breakaway mm-hmm. goal and and he kind of turns and then you can see his face on the television like yeah I got that I yeah. I, I, I absolutely well got that he's coming long. in now and if the goaltender opens up then he's going to go that little sneaky five hole and if he doesn't by the time he takes you laterally um, yeah it's almost impossible to make a save and yeah you hit the stride like that and uh, again you watch him and in comparison to you have to go back to Lafreniere and to Mister Byfield who's sitting on two goals and from what people say, making a little bit of progress, but hey, he made a great pass. That's exactly, that was the, you know, <laughs> we'll, and, we'll get yeah, into that. In just I, I know, we'll I know, just but, but you're, you know, again, I, I, I originally, I went with Joe Sackick, which was strong uh, when it came to Stutzla. And one of the things I talked about at the time was when Joe first came in the league, it took time as a centerman and physically, but I don't think in my wildest dream in the last 12 months or whenever he got switched over, uh, that Stutzla would continue to fast track. And, and really when you're being realistic, I mean, uh, there's parts of really this season where he has carried along with Kachuk the entire hockey team. I mean, it has been that good. There are lots of times where there wasn't a whole lot of other scoring uh, and what the two of them are doing together and with Giroux and with lots of other company now, um, you know, is is the main reason why the Ottawa Senators are even in a playoff discussion. Tim Stutzel is sitting on 31 goals and 66 points in 58 games so far this year. Somebody tweeted out, the, and I hadn't realized it, but I should have realized it. He's got more goals and more points than Austin Matthews this year. What do you think's up with Matthews? Shoulder, wrist, um, bad mood. Uh, I was no, watching I, the I was watching the game the other night there, and well, he, got, he got hit. Yeah, he got hit in the leg in that game. No, 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 no. But but just his upper body. Like I, I'm trying. I was trying to track, and he's had the wrist thing for a while. But he, he again, just looking the outside, it's like it's almost like somebody playing with a harness on their shoulder. Mm. Like he just does not look right, and and it's not from a lack of effort. Like I said, he's a good pro, uh, but you're trying to kind of figure out and. That's the part we say, and for the Leafs and all their chemistry, and I, I, I mean this so sincerely. I'm joking about Zaitsev. I don't think I could. I don't think I could do this watching Matt Murray on a nightly basis. I, I just don't think I could. <laughs> like the inconsistent. Well, like you, you, the good news expect- for them is, is Samsonov. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for all of his lack oh, yeah. of experience, has yeah. played well this year. Yeah. Oh, and for he's, sure. He's going for to sure. be the guy. There's oh, no ifs, ands, yeah. or buts about it. Um, yeah, I not disagree. To, to start, if you lose the first game, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that darn glove hand again the other night, like they're they're just fooling around with them. They're just like, oh hey, uh, let me do a little, to, you know. And Talbot actually kind of struggles from the same thing. Uh, he really bit on that second goal, and the first one wasn't great. But anyways, uh, with Matt Murray, it just it really is. It, it is so chaotic when he plays. Anyway, it was a party atmosphere at Canadian Tire Center on uh, Saturday. Great crowd. We had the organic "We Want the Playoffs" chant, which began uh, in the third period. I don't ever remember hearing that uh, before. So kudos to whoever started that, and uh, pretty much the entire barn was chanting that. Here's Tim Stutzla on that. Kind of got me chills, uh, to be honest. Uh, I mean, uh, it was so loud, and um, yeah, no, it was it was awesome. I mean, we we were playing great right now, and uh, hope to get a goal. I don't know what's going to be if the Sens have a have a uh, a good road trip if they're still in it. No expectations that they wouldn't uh, for that first uh, game back here, which I think is against Colorado a week from Thursday. Uh, should the T-shirt read "We want playoffs" or should it be 
Who wants it? Who oh, effing wants it? Yeah. Which of those two yeah. phrases is going to catch on the most? Uh, by that time, Jerry, it'll be we want Boston. <laughs> that, that'll be the next level, but you're right. Uh, and to that, uh, for a guy like Timmy Stutzla, uh, and anybody knows that when you go to a hockey game in Europe or in Germany, it's very similar to a soccer game. Uh, so that would be something that would make you feel like you're back in Mannheim because the crowd at the games is so incredibly engaged when you're in Europe. And really, like I said, just makes it just like a soccer game. So, yeah, that was that was really nice. And also to walk in the building, I've seen pictures of it, but the spectacle in the building of eighteen or 19,000 T-shirts. Well, I want to whoever the heck did that. That was a lot of work. Every seat in the suites and every seat in the building covered in different colors was just, it was just really, really beautiful uh, in honoring Pride Night. So that kind of tone, the great double anthem, and then the hockey game itself, Jared, being in the building when Hammond scored, it was just like the playoffs. Everybody's on the edge of the seat. Uh, the reaction of people jumping out when Hammond scored, uh, yeah, takes you right back to the 2017 playoff run and maybe Mr. Broussard scoring on that beautiful feed from uh, Eric Carlson. Uh, Saturday was also exciting, I think, for a lot of people because it was the first opportunity to see Jake Chikrin at home. Of course, had made his debut on Thursday in the game against uh, New York. Uh, played 18:53 on Saturday. Had a goal and an assist, was a plus three on the night. We saw him start with Eric Brandstrom, but uh, he was kind of mixing and matching with, with everybody uh, during the game. Uh, here's Jake Chikrin on the feelings inside the Sens dressing room. You know, I said it earlier, like half the team, you know, offered up a room in their home for me, right, you know, the first day. And it's just, it's really cool. You know, these guys really care about one another in here. And you really feel that energy and um you know, that goes a long way when you're out there battling with one another and, you know, you just want to do whatever you can to, you know, help your partner out. So um, really excited about the future here, for sure. Kind of uh, a, a couple of really, um, I think, good examples on on Saturday of what Jake Chicken brings to the table. The first is from the from the back end. He's got a he's got he's got a hammer. He's got a hammer back there like Travis Hamanick. He has. We saw that with some time to wind up, like that was posted in. That was a beautiful shot. There's a reason he, you know, he scores relatively speaking a, a pretty good amount of goals from the defensive side of things. But I think even on the first shift of the game, and I don't uh, first or second shift of the game, somebody kind of either chipped one past uh, him, and uh, you know he was at the offensive blue line. And he had to race back against somebody from Columbus, and uh, it was just kind of like he he matched him stride for stride, kind of knocked him a little bit, took the puck away, and just started moving it back up the ice. Like it was a, just a real. It was a real subtle play, but just just some, something that, sh- you know, quite frankly, a lot of defensemen we've seen here in Ottawa for the past few years, a lot of guys can't do. Yeah. And he just he just does it effortlessly. Yeah, and it is so important. And we talked about this forever, and he's only 25 years old, but feels like he's 35 year. It's composure. You know, and again, going back to, unfortunately, with the case of Zaitsev, the last thing that you want out of veteran players is you're trying to graduate and become a better hockey club is chaos, you know. That's why even a guy like Dylan DeMello is certainly a poor man's and a third-pairing defenseman, but I just need somebody out there that I don't notice. And you're noticing Chickering because he's big, he's new in the lineup, but there are a lot of subtleties. And all of a sudden, when you mix that into where Hamannick is at, I think it settles Shabbat a little bit and then just kind of go down the list. It's just, well, it's night and day. And and it really felt when you create that composure and how this trickle-down effect is as a goaltender, when you have somebody in front of you that isn't composed, you're not composed. And then as a team, and it just runs through your lineup, and and it's it's lots of players, um, but yeah, it was very subtly. And, and that second one that he hammered off the bar, being in the building, it, it sounded like it almost broke the net. And one thing, and we'll see how this evolves here, uh, without Norris, and and Norris is more uh, uh, picking your spot, 
Uh, they have never had a hammer on the power play, and I'm very curious as to how you might integrate that. And with the talent mm. they have, mm-hmm. where you might set him for the one-timer, almost in a Shea Weber spot, but on the other side, Jer, will be really interesting because, like I said, that has not been a threat that the auto senders have had, and especially for the way they run things with Debrinket, uh, a left shot either with Shabbat or in that slot. Uh, that'll be real interesting to watch, guys. You would move him onto the potentially onto the first power play. Well, I, I which might. Is the third power play in the NHL right now? Well, oh no, no, not not right away. I'm just saying I'd integrate some looks and and probably onto a second unit, which is fine as well. Um, but that's just something to curious. Uh, hey, you know why not? I know that they're they're running along nicely, but still, when you can integrate a, th- a, sh- a shot like that, um, and then people say, "Who are you going to take off?" Well, you don't have to right now. Um, but there's 20 games left. Let's see what ends up happening. Yeah, I think I think if the wheels go square, um, but man, I I I would not be tempted to be screwing with that first power play. That for the most part has been dynamite all all year. And yeah. you know, add him to add him to a second unit um, with uh, you know with with well whomever is ends up being a, a kind of a part of that. I'm that makes the second unit better, which is good. You have uh, you have two good units, but I I myself would not be tempted to be changing up that first yeah yeah well yeah I, I mean, Stutzla, uh, Stutzla doesn't quite have the shot he does but no. it's it's been in a it's been an effective yeah, power play. yeah well, you go back to and again the Carolina Boston games the difference was not having able to score on the power play and in this stretch here um they scored 27 goals only four on the power play and it's good I'm just saying though hey when you introduce something you haven't had you at least have to anticipate and yeah it's not switching it up it's just hey if something doesn't go well on a first power play in a game you, you try it and give it a look and they obviously at this point have enough to make a very good second unit talent-wise anyway. Here is DJ Smith on our post-game show on the pairing of Jake Chikorin and Eric Brandstrom. Obviously, they're pretty good on the offensive blue line there, but, um, you know, let's be clear, Chicky's not going to be a bottom-pairing guy. Um, we're going to transition him, you know, quickly um, up in that up in that slot. But, um, you know, he can play in all situations. Played a lot of shifts with Shabbat as well. Really good penalty killer. You know, we'll look to get him some more power play time. So um, it'll it'll all work itself out in time. There you go. Maybe we'll see it uh, as soon as uh, tonight. And it'll be interesting to see once he is in- it's Chicky is introduced, uh, uh, integrated into the into the uh, top four, yeah. who he ends up uh, playing with. Uh, it was yeah. interesting that uh, there was some time with uh, Shabbat uh, yeah. during the game on Saturday. Yeah, and that would make the most sense. I don't think Zub has been the same player this year. And based on injury mobility, not quite as great. And from that standpoint, uh, I appreciate the fact that when they brought him in, Chicky or Chikrin, um, you didn't just slide him in with Jake Sanderson. Hamannick has played very well there, so it really is the first time in forever, and certainly since I've covered the team back to 2011, JR, that you actually have options. Like it's not even a negative right now. And I even, and again, I was careful with Branstrom because there's been times where he has dominated or did things against bad teams, and Columbus is bad, but he has not had much to play with in his time here in Ottawa. His best hockey was three years ago down the stretch with Zub, and then all of a sudden in training camp the following year, DeMello's around and other players. Like, th- this trickle-down effect of partners and what that could even do for Brandstrom in the short term, oh, I, like I say, this is just this is what you kind of dream of, and right now it's all six and all in place. It'll be interesting to see, um, as we were contemplating after the trade was made last week, of, okay, we, we sort of acknowledge, okay, these are the top four, what are the combos going to be? Maybe it ends up, um, as you said, with Travis Hamannick playing some good hockey right now, and and you know he's been he's been Jake Sanderson's partner the entire exactly. year. Yeah. And as much as people wanted to bag on Hamannick, um, you know, for a, a lot of this year, <clears throat> I think you do have to give credit for part of the fact that Jake Sanderson has had such a successful first year is the fact that he has had a level of comfort 
um, with uh, with his playing partner. Um, I, <laughs> I, I I put something into that. I yeah. really do. Yeah. Uh, and so I I would be reluctant to split those two guys up right now. Yeah. I think you're I think you're right on that. So maybe maybe what ends up happening. Uh, to your point, as the Chikrin slides up with uh, with Shabbat, yeah. and maybe it's Zub down with Brandstrom yeah. to oh, sort yeah, of yeah, give yeah. you. I think it. I, I think you've got a number one pairing there, but then I think your your next two are are relatively speaking, relatively close. Oh so yeah, maybe that'll end up being the combo. Yeah, I, I would look at that right now. And like I said, I I don't think Zub has tracked as well. Jair watching him, and he's had some lower body stuff. No excuse, but it's just not quite the same player. But still playing well. Um. So yeah, I would kind of bet on that. And as far as Hamannik. So agree. Now, I'll also say this, and this will be interesting if he finishes a year off here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if a team bites on him after a very good year. But I also agree, and, and I'm not disagreeing at all. Jake Sanders is one of those players that probably could come in and play with anybody and play well, but it's worked. And to that point... Well, I'm just talking about this year. Oh, oh no, I know. Right? But, but my I'm point, not talking my about point, Simon Hamannick for no, five more years no, to no, play with him. No, 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 I know. But I, I look at Branson's situation in Calgary like, Travis Hamannick has probably put himself, I guess, to my point here, back on the map. Like, it's been a real good year for him. And, you know, part of that has been, and we've seen in the past where the Chris Prongers of the world have had partners and all of a sudden they get signed to Philip Kuba back in the day to Florida, right? <laughs> where, you know, you're, you're play- he's in a good spot and, mm-hmm. and he has played well. And I give him credit. Point being is you're, you're, you're talking about no matter how old he is, a very, very special talent in Jake Sanderson. Some text at 12-1200. I was at the game Saturday. One of the coolest moments was when they showed Chikrin on the big screen pumping up the crowd. So uh, I I don't remember seeing that you on the You didn't see TV it? Okay. okay. Things, oh, that's but, funny because uh, Hammer said that. But oh, is it? Uh, I happened to be, we were set up behind the set. And so I had walked around and I you watched that one, the in-house one, because it, it correlates more with the play than the TV part. Um, and they, yeah, they showed that on there. So I kind of thought everyone had seen it. So I don't know if there is a clip out there. Uh, but he kind of was, well, Hamannick said he moved out of the way, so everyone knew it was Chikrin or Chikrin right. knew, and then, yeah, he started giving the hands, but he also started doing the clapping, uh, very European-esque of uh, thanking the crowd, so it was a very cool moment. Unsigned rights, why was Shabbat back up in the mid-20s minutes Saturday against the last-place team when he played 19 and change against the Rangers? That's from Unsigned. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Over three minutes of power play time. Yeah. I mean, that, that adds on to it. Yeah, the, the, one the, of the things that they rotated through, though, and I, I didn't track the shifts, guys, but he basically was double shifting and playing with Zub and Chikrin, right? There was a time where, you know, Branson wasn't playing much. So it wasn't, it was a rotation of, yeah, basically a double shift is why his minutes were up. Yeah. What's really interesting is if you if you look at the number of shifts that each defenseman took and then you look at the ice time, Chikrin actually had the most shifts. He had 27 different shifts, okay. but that uh, Shabbat played, well, he played a bunch more. He played uh, in total seven, almost seven more minutes than Jake Chikrin. I, I'm sure Shabbat's shift length must be one of the longer in the league, yeah, right, there. sure. And when you had a guy like Chikrin who, who had three weeks off and you're playing a second game, you know, and, and just the way he plays, I, yeah, I, I'm sure he was more cognizant and... I'm sure overall his shifts, you know, they aren't going to be like Shabbat's. Uh, unsigned rights. Did you see the goggles video from the post game Saturday? Chickren's built like the Terminator. Yeah, uh, he is. Um, he's a pretty stacked guy, no doubt about that. Has not missed a lot of gym time. We'll put it that way. No, and and you know, back to when Dad and some a... devil too. Well, and uh, yeah, oh great, that jawline. Do you think that's real? Because I didn't know if that's surgically done. He's got this jawline. I know the strong like, yes, because he's from <laughs> Ottawa, and I don't want it to get out that I said no. no. He, he, Dad. Well, Dad was a great-looking guy, and Dad back with Gary Galley, and now Gary's a bit older, but Dad was so mature and worked so hard. But you know, there's videos of Jake working out without the shirt on and stuff like that, and he, yeah, he since well, that's one of the reasons his draft stock probably went down, right? He was a bit of a man-child, 
Uh, and I think people were thinking, oh, you know what, is he going to be able to do this at the NHL level? So, yeah, he was uh, pretty jacked up at about 15 years old and puts a lot of work in. And just a great pro, just like that. Prince writes, uh, the Stutzla is looking at one of the best players in the NHL. He'll score 50 goals one day. What a pleasure to be able to watch him every night. That comes from Prince. So c- can you kind of fill everybody in on uh, that isn't on the Twitter machine about you put something out about... What it was, the, they had some L.A. Kings fans. Well, back, I, yeah, but I, I was just, I, you know, it was one of those, I was just in a collaborative mood with myself on Saturday night, and, and I, I started thinking. I'm collaborating <laughs> with myself. Okay. Well, that's what you do on Twitter, right? Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I did thank you, New York Rangers, thank you, L.A., and I kind of had a, a Alanis Morissette, you know, kind of getting that song going, and then I, sure. little thank you, thank you, and then. You know, some fellas passing on Stutzla in the draft. Yeah, yeah. And, and then somebody just mentioned that hey, Byfield uh, had a real good game the night before. Had a really nice pass, <laughs> and so had a nice yeah. pass. Yeah. Pass, yeah. which which I'm not I'm not in, and I don't even I'm not doing this because uh, Byfield's on Terry or Jeff Jackson's client. Like I'm not here to pile on either player. I, I'm just hey, you know, you'd be out of your tree by the time that World Junior finished here. Right, just watching Byfield and Stutzla. And this is people not remembering that Stutz is a natural center. I was just like, this isn't even close. You're not an L.A. Kings scout that should be getting a salary and not walk out of that World Junior and realize that you made a huge mistake. It was that obvious. So that was that. And then the other one was funny yesterday was, you know, I just mentioned about Brady Kachuk. We can get into that as well, JR, about the, the player and the person. And really when the, fran- the parallels with the Chicago Blackhawks back in the day of Jonathan Taves coming in, not just the player, you know, and what he meant for Patrick Kane, but... The leader and the foundation is there's a real interest and parallel between those two. Well, what a great argument of a nice pass with Tim Stutzla's 190 career NHL games and 153 career points with 65 goals compared to Quinton Byfield's 81 career NHL games, 26 points, 7 goals. Hey, but those 19 assists, mm. one was a really good pass. And he's, sit, and he's young, and he's a young big man. But uh-huh. I had to look up his stats. He's only got two goals this year. But he, hey, sweet passes. <laughs> sweet pass. Everybody said in his in Quinton Byfield's defense that it was going to take uh, it was going to take longer for him to mature. But again, we're not here to denigrate what he's doing. No, although no. Hammer just did that. No, to, no, it was say, just a response to the response of Simmer's tweet of he had a good pass. That's a solid argument. But I, I don't, and, and I, again, a lot of this information was from Kenny Walls, and Kenny had some real questions watching him in junior JR. I, I don't feel like this is, okay, in three years, we're going to be talking about Byfield and the same as Stutz. So now Stutz has gone even higher than some expected, but I, I don't think that the Byfield thing is, is necessarily a long-term Lock it in, number one center, um, you know, in the National Hockey League. All right, thoughts on uh, the game Saturday on the State of the Sens. Uh, we'll get to our web poll question when we come back, which is all about the upcoming road trip, uh, which kicks off uh, tonight. Sens got five straight on the road starting tonight in Chicago. We'll come back. We'll bring you right up to date on where we are playoff race-wise, etc. Don't forget Dave Poulin will join us after 8. Jamie Baker, our Sens analyst, after 9. It's the Sens and the Hawks tonight at 9 p.m., Right here on Sports Radio TSN 1200. We are back. Uh, it is 7.44 on this uh, Monday. Hope you had a nice weekend. Nice bright sunshine uh, this morning. That'll be the story of the uh, day today. A lot like yesterday. Could be a serious melting day after yet another snowstorm on uh, Saturday. 24 centimeters. We're now uh, over 300 centimeters uh, so far. And this is uh, one of the snowiest overall winters. Now there's, uh, as I came to learn on the weekend, there's... Seasonal winter, 
And there's meteorological winter. Easy for me to say on a Monday morning. Meteorological winter Mm -hmm. is for weather people. And that actually signifies the amount of snow in the months of December, January, and February, because those are the three coldest months. Okay. So that's actually a measurement they keep as well. And this was the, because February's obviously just over, the third snowiest meteorological winter that we've ever had in Ottawa. And this is, goes back like over 100 years, 150 years almost of stat keeping. Would they ever so. track it by the year itself, Chair? Uh, in the sense of feels like 2023. Calendar year? Yeah, we've had a whack. And then would, what is it, what, what's the accumulation when we get into next December? Does December, or when does winter actually officially start? December 21st. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, that's, that doesn't that's make seasonal sense, winter. Okay. Right? Okay. So, cool. Okay. Cool. Anyway, right. that's for us uh, numbers nerds. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, numbers nerds, according to moneypuck.com, hmm. This is as of yesterday, but uh, nobody from the Eastern Conference that's in the race, if I exclude Detroit, which feels like it's traded its way out, uh, the odds would not have changed. To make the playoffs, uh, right now, the Sands are at 27.5%. And that is based on, obviously, their current points. And then they also look at the schedule, uh, the strength uh, of the opponents, or lack thereof. Yeah. That is how they come to uh, the uh, numbers. So we look at the teams that are in the race for the wild card spots uh, in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, so the New York Islanders are at forty one percent. The Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, believe it or not, are at eighty eight eighty eight percent. Really, make the playoffs. Yeah, so they must have a. Uh, I haven't looked. They must have oh, a very okay. easy schedule uh, coming up. So Pittsburgh eighty eight, Islanders forty one, Sens are at twenty seven point five percent. Buffalo's at twenty one point seven percent. So the Sens are ahead of uh, Buffalo. Anybody else? Uh, you think Washington? They kind of traded themselves out. They're only at eleven percent. I guess Florida would be the other one. Yeah, the only thing uh, with Washington, they're, Wash- they're at seventeen point eight percent. Washington in making the Sandine trade, and I see you had a few points the other night. Jr. was was a bit of a different message in a sense of you know does that give you any little bit of a push? Uh, not to mention Mister Ovechkin trying to go for things. So yeah, I have all those teams in you know in in consideration. What would be also interesting, guys. If we could parallel this, and when I talked about how parallels of Ottawa to Chicago franchise-wise, if you went back to the Hamburglar run and the timing of the goalie injury and the timing of the Forsberg injury to what percentages were on both seasons, JR, to make the playoffs Mm. and how they've risen up, I mean, it is kind of cool. We joked a little bit at the time, um, but as I said, it has been really amazing with both goaltenders out and the the play of Sogard and Mandelisi and lots of other things here. Uh, that we're waking up now, and Ottawa's in the spot that they're in. Going through the Penguins' schedule, yeah, it doesn't look like it's too tough, but that March break week, they have four games, three against the Rangers on Sunday, Thursday, and Saturday. Really? Thursday and Saturday being at MSG. A little weird. Maybe did they have a game postponed or something during the snowstorm that they had to reschedule? But that just seems weird to be back-to-back with a day off. On Thursday and Saturday, but for the yeah. most part, it's yeah, it's, yeah it's not too bad. I, I'm looking at it right now. So they play. I'm talking about Pittsburgh now. They play Columbus at home tomorrow. Then they're home to the Islanders. That's a big game, obviously for yeah, Ottawa because so. somebody's getting two points there. But also on the flip side, somebody's not getting two points in that game. Uh, they're playing the, the Islanders at home on Thursday. Then they're home to the Flyers Saturday. So you got the Jackets and the Flyers. Then as you mentioned, Hammer three games, uh, four games the following week, three against the Rangers. But they also play Montreal. Uh, in there as well. And looking further down the road, there's a Washington game. There's a Detroit game. There's a Nashville game. There's a Flyers game. There's another Red Wings game. There's a Blackhawks game. There's a Blue Jackets game. Yeah. So if you kind of look at that in terms of, 
And I know you got to play the games, but quality of opponents, if you're just going Ottawa v. Pittsburgh, the Sens after this week, because they play uh, three non-playoff teams this week mm-hmm. as they start this road trip, after that, it is a it is pretty hellacious. Mm-hmm. And I know they're playing great hockey, uh, but the rest of the schedule from there on out, starting next Tuesday against the Oilers, is really tough mm-hmm. uh, for Ottawa as opposed to uh, what Pittsburgh is facing. So if you're looking for a reason why those playoff odds are as they are, mm-hmm. uh, that is the reason. But that's the reason they're just odds. They're not the real McCoy. you got to go out and do it on the ice. Yeah, and, and it's impossible not to look at the standings and look at Pittsburgh, but I think if you want your eye on the prize, and if you're a Sens fan, it could happen as soon as tonight uh, if Pittsburgh wins. Uh, all of a sudden, it is the Islanders to me. The four points, uh, the three games in hand, and just realistically for where they're at as a team, to me, they're the most vulnerable one. And if I'm Buffalo, Florida, Washington, or Ottawa, uh, that's the team I'm kind of looking at that I think I could pick off for for eighth place. Got to look at the Islanders. I mentioned the Islanders this week uh, is really interesting because they play... Uh, Buffalo tomorrow, Pittsburgh on Thursday, and Washington on Saturday. All of those yeah, teams yeah. are <clears throat> all in the mix right yeah. now with Ottawa, to, uh, some to uh, you know lesser extents yeah. than other. Then they do the three-game California road trip, which is late in the year for that. Then they got Toronto. Then they got Columbus. Then they got Buffalo again. Then they got the Devils. And they got the Capitals, uh, Lightning, Hurricanes, Lightning, Flyers, Caps, and then Montreal to finish the season. So that's the Islanders. So uh, looking at that, just kind of as an overall... I think Pittsburgh has the uh, easier of the two for sure. That's kind of a, that looks to me like a middling uh, schedule for the uh, New York Islanders. Yeah, and the other part, and and as I said, the the bigger change with Ottawa, and this is where from the Islanders' standpoint, you know, I just don't have a ton of faith in their ability to score, JR. Now, they do have very good goaltending, so that's a factor. Uh, But what has really changed for the Sens, and like I said, last five wins, outscoring the opponent 27 to 10, only four of those goals on the power play. You know, your ability to score five on five, to get bottom six scoring right now. Uh, that, to me, gives a whole different vibe around this hockey team going back to the 5-2 win against Montreal a, a previous Saturday. So that that's where I just wonder. And like I said, for the Islanders, almost every game that they play is a grind. Like, you know, no matter who they're against, they don't really, it doesn't feel like they beat anybody going away. And I have not uh, seen an update on Matt Barzell uh, to find out uh, <clears throat> if and when he's expected uh, back into the lineup uh, as well. For Ottawa, obviously with the five-game road trip, uh, but they have now won five games in a row. This is their first uh, winning streak of this length uh, since six years ago, the last time they made the playoffs. As we all know, there's been a lot of bad hockey here in Ottawa so uh, drink it in because this is uh, uncharted territory for the first time in a long time. Even the general manager, Pierre Dorian, meeting with the media after the trade deadline on Friday, talked about that. The players are having fun right now. You can tell this group never had this kind of buzz before the Detroit game. So let's let them have fun. Let's let them grow. Let's just see what happens. Y- you never know. You know, teams that were chasing could get hit with three or four major injuries, and it gives us a better chance. But right now, let's just take it game by game. There you go. Uh, this road trip will go a long way toward determining uh, if Ottawa. Uh, no, say even even if it's middling, they'll be in the in the playoff yeah. chase for sure. But um, with the quality of some of the opponents this week you would look at this as an opportunity over these five games. So, again, it starts tonight in Chicago, uh, Thursday night in Seattle, and obviously the uh, Kraken are playing good hockey this year. Then it's Vancouver on Saturday, which, yeah, they beat the Leafs on on Saturday, but, I mean, Vancouver's been no screaming hell this year. Then it's Calgary. Now it's back-to-back Calgary on Sunday, but the Flames appear to be going down the toilet bowl as well, and then it ends a week from tomorrow 
uh, in Edmonton. So you'd look at Seattle and Edmonton as two quality teams, and yeah, then you'd look yeah. at those other three as certainly three beatable opponents, which is how we springboard to our TSN 1200 tool and equipment store web poll question for you today, which is how many points do the Sens need to get on this five-game road trip? Mm-hmm. All right. We're not asking for your prediction. We need a need. Mm-hmm. We need a need. We need your answer. How many relative to remaining in the playoff race to make the playoffs. Think about it from that perspective. How many points do they need to get on this five-game road trip? Nine or more, eight, seven, or six. I think five or less is, a quite frankly, if we're talking about playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs uh, would be a bit of a disaster, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So nine or more, eight, seven, six, simmer. Uh, you know what? I, I voted eight, but I'm going to say seven. Um, you know, to me, if you went three, one, and one, I consider that be successful. Uh, I think for where they're playing right now, uh, if you want to, you'd want to go three and zero, oh and then take your chances against Calgary and Edmonton. But uh, I'll say seven. Okay, hammer. Ah, uh, simmer. Yeah, I'm answering I, eight. No, it's obviously Simmer was looking at my sheet during the test because I had written down seven as well. That's how many they need to get. I thought he was going, yeah, I thought he was going to go like what I thought was the, the middle road, which is not in terms of the poll question, but six. Like you, you The exact games six. that you talked about were those six points. Yeah, wow. but then you look at the schedule they have ahead of them, yeah. they need more than six. You've got to overachieve, man. Exactly. This is your window right here. Yeah. Even yeah. though they're on the road and there's one back-to-back, this is your window against some very beatable opponents in three of the five games. So six, six is bare minimum. Yeah, six. exactly. All so right. my, my vote is seven. They so you, need. So you're giving them bare minimum plus one point. Wow. They need. Set that seven. bar high. <laughs> well, they don't need eight. I think eight, that's that's a lot. And unless you're. you're... You got well, You got You want to make the playoffs or not? <laughs> well, I want to make the playoffs. Why are we going Johnny High Boys here? I, I really feel like the next 20 games is really important to whether or not they make the playoffs. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, just, I, obvious. I love when we say all these different things of this stretch. And, and it is exactly like the Hamburglar run, right? You know, I mean, you, hey, you, we're going to be hope, hopefully, hopefully saying this the rest of the year. They, oh, this is a big one tonight. I know that Carolina is really well, good. But if you can isn't it, it nice to be talking about, quote, oh, this is a you. big one tonight, oh, as absolutely. opposed to the first show after the trade deadline yeah. for the last five years, which is... Yeah. Let's get the draft lottery wheel going. Let's find out if the Sens are going to win the draft lottery. In fact, this is the first time we'd normally do it. The first show after trade deadline day. Well, two things. First of all, um, they're not in the draft lot. Well, they're in the draft lottery, but they don't have their pick. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of ruins it that's from that, that, that perspective point. as that's well. That's a good point by you. And uh, they're, yeah. uh, of course, uh, yeah. in the playoff race. So I answered eight. Listen, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to get eight points from this road trip. No ifs, ands, or buts, especially given what's ahead after uh, the uh, game in Calgary on Sunday. So I said eight, which is where the almost majority of our listeners are right now. 46% say eight points is needed in this uh, five-game road trip. 20% are at nine or more. You want to talk about uh, expectations and setting the bar high? 31% say seven. So they're with you guys. Mm -hmm. And just 3% say uh, six points is what the Sens need to get on their five-game road trip. Let us know what you think at tsn1200.ca. Yeah, and interesting, you go back to trades and timings and, you know, what has been introduced over the years, share of the protection, lottery protection, top five, everything else. Um, you go back to the timing of the Duchesne trade, and, and again, whoever put that in on the protection that allowed them to draft Brady Kachuk and then let the pick slide, 
which ended up being Bo and Byron. But it's interesting from Bill Armstrong's standpoint. I'd love to know what else is on the table because realistically, by the time the trade was made here in Ottawa, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that all of a sudden you're free and home, but for where Ottawa started to trend towards, I think you felt a lot more confident that that pick is not going to be in the top five or top ten. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you know, it's it's 20 games, and I, I just kind of look at it though, and, and it's like, hey, the the timing to do that, and I think Pierre Dorian touched on that, and rightfully so. You know, that's not really as of today, and I don't think it will be the rest of the way a subject of conversation. It's like, okay, uh, they're going to get your pick, but we're not all of a sudden going to be doing like we did last time where it's like, oh, God, are, are they going to end up with uh, Quint, with um, uh, Hughes, right? Yep. Hughes ended up being the first pick. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was a very good time on, on just every way. And then I said this on Saturday, you know, it just turned into a bit of a dream scenario to pull this trade off, JR, just based on timing, what you had to give up, just everything with it is just everything you would hope, not to mention your hockey team playing well. Yeah. Well, it's about who you, who you got, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it fills yeah, your most yeah, obvious yeah. need. Yeah. And I can't overstate this. Uh, 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 I don't think you could have handpicked certainly a, an available player or a guy who will, would be available this mm-hmm. summer in free agency or whatever. Or mm-hmm. Maybe somebody springs loose, a name we've never heard of in a trade. But think about the names that were being bandied about, right? Uh, for, for Ottawa, for that, you know, mythical fourth, uh, you know, top 4D right shot, uh, if they could get that, right? Matt Dumba, uh, Damon Severson, right? Like, like good players, but quite frankly, depending on what Ottawa would have given up, you know, if you got either of those guys, compared to how you feel about them getting Jake Chikrin, um, even with what they had to give up to get mm-hmm. him, it's the whole, it's the whole extra part of Chikrin mm-hmm. that, you know, he's he wants to be here. You know, he he's he's front, he's got ties here. Like, th- this is. He gets Ottawa, and not everybody would get Ottawa. Ottawa is a small market. It's a Canadian team. Not every player likes the fishbowl of being in a Canadian market. Some are okay with it. A lot of them aren't. Some of them have family members who maybe aren't especially um, fond of spending, you know, their entire winter in a, uh, you know, in a cold climate, whatever it is. You know, if you don't, you're not going out to the dressing room every day, it can be a long, you know, if you're not used to it, it can be a long winter. I, I, I get all that part of it. Jake Chikrin, it's like like every box that you would want in terms of auto, he, ch- he checks all of that off. Like I, I don't think you could handpick a better a better player and person yeah. for what was open for. Yeah, auto. and you even go back to Claude Drew, and now ten years older. And one of your fears when you do this, you bring a guy in ah, at the end of career wants to be here. Well, Claude Drew has played great. He's played like he's in his prime. You go back to the Mark Mathot trade of of finding the right fit or the right situation, and you're absolutely right. And, and from a player's perspective, and again, this is my outside opinion, having lived outside of Ottawa, um, when it comes to Ottawa, Jared, I, like, I think Toronto and certainly Vancouver, Montreal, like that fishbowl, as you said, I think for the Ottawa players, generally what it comes down to in the NHL, it's usually your partner. You know, Most hockey players are pretty good, but where are you at in your life, right? And all of a sudden, a move. Um, and when we talk about the fella in St. Louis as well, you know, an eight-year extension. You're like, well, what's that going to look like? Why, why do they want to get rid of him? Um, the timing, the contract, the fit, the family, not to mention being a very good player. Yeah. And to have not given up anything in your system. Yeah, you, you just couldn't. Do it. And timing. It, it, it was a dream scenario. Perfect storm. Uh, Unsigned rights. Hope the Sens don't look beyond teams like Chicago and Vancouver. Teams like those look to be spoilers and also have hungry players trying to secure jobs. Yeah, that comes from Unsigned. Yeah, I'll be honest with the Unsigned, and and you know some of that was brought up on Saturday. Now Saturday was different because it was a Saturday night. 
Uh, it was Chikrin's debut, but I don't feel like that the team is in that spot right now, JR. Now, here they are 10 days ago, lost to Chicago. Um, but I, I think that there's an eye on the prize right now, and just don't get that feeling that this group's going to roll in and be all nonchalant. I, I think they're going to take it to Chicago, to be quite honest with you. And the old Brinksy truck rolling into Chicago mm, as well. So. There you go. Okay. Patrick, are you calling it? Alex DeBrinkat for three tonight? I call him one. Okay. Uh, we'll do it on a little fan duel, actually. But it, right. Oh, he's going to score for sure tonight. Okay, all right. We'll uh, find out. All right. Uh, so we have uh, the Sens and the Hawks tonight. 7 o'clock pregame. It's a 9 o'clock faceoff. I don't know that Chicago's had a 9 o'clock faceoff all year. So why tonight? Come on! It's Monday. We all need our beauty. Anyway, 9 o'clock faceoff. Dean and Gord will have the call here on TSN 1200. Okay, stand by. Top of the hour update is on the way. Dave Pullen, we hope, rested and recovered from a long trade deadline day show on uh, Friday on TSN. will join us with his thoughts on uh, the Sens, on the trade deadline, and everything else going on around the NHL. We'll do that when we come back right here on Sports Radio, TSN 1200.